Hey, Schmazettes, you're listening to Listen. Listen with Patty and Emily. I'm Patty. And I'm Emily. Five, six, seven, eight. Patty and Emily most obsessively talking about all your favorite Broadway shows. Patty and Emily thoughts and comedy from Broadway super fans. From Broadway super fans. Oh my God, Emily. What? Betty Buckley, Betty Buckley listened to our podcast. I know, last week, and she corrected me. Yep, I feel so bad. I was just in lo- like so focused on the fact that Stephen Schwartz's son was there, and it is correct. He is the artistic director, but he did not direct that, that production. production. Oh. Michael Wilson oh. Oh. Uh, directed that production. So thank you, Betty Buckley, for that correction. Thank you, Betty Buckley. And thank you for saying that we were funny. Do you, yeah. Do you think she subscribed? I hope so. Maybe she wrote us a review. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe it. <laughs> Betty Buckley. I know. It was pretty exciting. She's tweeted us before. She has tweeted us Don't before. Don't you remember when we were in Philadelphia? She tweeted us. I do. I do. Yeah. I think of... Betty Buckley, whenever I go to Philadelphia. Yep. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that 1776. Not that this is like that surprising or upsetting. I, I mean, it's upsetting, but it's not surprising. But I did see um, someone sent me a breakdown for the casting of 1776. Mm-hmm. And they are obviously going, you know, racially right. whatever. But they're not doing any gender swapping. Oh. I'm a little disappointed. Well, I That's... Uh, unsurprising i know but like i think gender swapping is not the same as gen as colorblind casting in something like that why i don't know also well keys and the how songs were written for certain voices may or may not make it more difficult for people to sing them yeah i don't have any i don't know about that stuff but also i feel like that's well, and maybe this is just coming from me and my worldview, but I feel like that's more of a statement than just like colorblind casting. I think for a lot of people, colorblind casting that show is a huge statement. And I understand that on some level, but I also think to me, again, right. it's like not a big deal. Yeah. Well, that's because we're smart people <laughs> and we're not racist. <laughs> but it's so. interesting that like for whatever reason in this conversation, I'm like, but gender blind casting is something entirely different. I mean... I I guess I understand why you say that and feel that way, and I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think it's, like, the same. Yeah. You know, wouldn't it be so fucking cool if we could just, like, have a show where you, everything was just, they really just picked the best person for the job? The best person for whatever role. Yeah. So then, like, you could just have a mix em up show where, I mean, I don't know, 1776, well, yeah. but can you dreamcast 1776 color, gender blind, and include um, Derek Baskin, Carolee Carmelo, Ruthie Ann Miles, and who else? Who else? LaShawn's. Who? Derek Baskin. Ruthie Ann Miles, LaShawns, and Carolee Carmelo. Oh, Carolee Carmelo. Um, okay. See, again, like, I don't know, keys, it's tricky. Hmm. Derek Baskin. He's so sweet, mm-hmm. but like, he doesn't have to play that. Right. That's just how I've always seen him. Totally. We so, can see him branch out. 
I think it would be fun to see him as like a John Adams mm-hmm. who's like feisty and everybody hates him. Ooh. You know, you're obnoxious and disliked, you know that, sir. <laughs> uh, I want to see Derek Baskin be obnoxious and disliked. Yeah. Because he is just so like, oh, <laughs> Derek Baskin. Right. Um, let's see. Carolee could be Thomas Jefferson. Okay. Especially like redheads. Yeah. You know? Uh, and this is all like I don't understand any of this because I don't know this show, but I hope that well, the listeners like are appreciating an aristocrat, mm. uh, highbrow, which she can play very well. Yes, and uh, he loves to have sex with his wife. <gasps> so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, who are the Ruthie and Miles? And why can't Lashans. I Lashans? Oh God, Lashans! Oh Lashans! None of neither of those people are old enough to play Ben Franklin. Well, they can put on some. I mean, Lashans can play older. Hello, Seely. That's true. She might be a fun Ben Franklin. Yeah. Also, I don't know if Ben Franklin was old as we all. I honestly, I'll think I have is. not looked it up. I don't know how old. Well, ben Franklin also, was like that time. when people were quote unquote old back then, they were like in their fifties and they wore powdered wigs. Right. Although he had like no hair, so I think he was just gray. Hmm. Anyway. Um, she could be a fun Ben Franklin or she, oh, you know, it'd be really like, like weird. Okay. And I don't know if it would work. It would be very uncomfortable Uh if she played Rutledge, who's like the bad guy from South Carolina who sings the song about the slave trade. Oh, that would be interesting. Right? I think that would be interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Also, it'd be fun to see her be like a bad guy. Yes. I would love to see LaShawn's play a villain. Yeah. That would be John, fun. Yeah. John Cullum's that guy in the movie, too. Oh, that song. Anyway. <laughs> Ruthie and Miles. Ruthie and Miles. I think she'd be like a fun John Hancock who's like running the whole thing. All right. He doesn't have his own song, which is oh. unfortunate, but... Um, there's a lot of like group songs and those four characters that I already said are like the ones that have their own songs. Right, right, right. Yeah. That sounds like a fun production. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome for the ideas, encores. (laughs) That's funny. I would, I would see that. Right? Yeah. I mean, obviously I love 1776. Would they be pants rolls? Like, like, would they be... Playing men? Playing men? Yeah. Or Oh, okay. I don't know. Because I also think it would be kind of be interesting to see them as ladies. To have them in their representative... Their gendered costumes? Yeah. Like wearing... Like as Thomas Jefferson as a woman. Oh. Well, I guess it would also depend on the budgetary constraints of the production. Yeah. Um, There'd be a lot more hoop skirts. I mean, (laughs) maybe this would be shocking to some people, but I actually think it would be important to maintain... I mean, with something historical like that, I think you can fuck it up. Sure, sure, sure. But like, you know... In in casting, the thing that's fun about doing gender and colorblind casting is that you're just you're in the fucking theater. You suspend Whoa, your disbelief. Right. You, it right. doesn't matter. But yeah. if you're you know put them in dresses, then you know playing the male roles, yeah. then you're like changing or messing with the story. But I would also see an experimental you know mess yeah. around with it. That would be yeah. fun. Yeah, I want to see that. Let's do that production. All the things. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, Buddy Buckley. (laughs) Thank you for listening to our podcast. You You saw a show this week that I did not see. I did. That I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Oh man, you You know many of them. I saw Trip of Love, 
that was over at the Little Schubert. Oh, does it have a different name now? Yeah, Stage 42. Nope. Nope. Not going to call it It's that. called the Little Schubert. Little we Schubert. call it the Little Schubert because it's so cute. It's the Little Schubert. Whatever. It's one seat shy of a Broadway house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. So I knew absolutely nothing. My my friend invited me and I, you know, hadn't seen him. So I was like, sure, I'll go to anything. And... And then when we sat down and I started looking at my playbill, I was like, what is this show? It's what? It's like a 60s. It's a review. And like it. Did you say the name of it yet? Trip of Love. I don't remember. I can't remember if I said that either. Trip of Love. It. You know, okay. Here's a few like broad thoughts I had while watching it. Um, One thought I had was this is what it must have been like to see musical theater pre-showboat where you just had like crazy entertaining numbers that had nothing to do with anything. Um, And then uh, Philip, who I saw the show with at one point uh, leaned over and whispered in my ear, do you think they're testing out all these numbers for Broadway bears? Oh, which there was like, (laughs) there was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of sexy, like a lot of skin. Mostly it was just, just, I don't understand. I don't. I mean, like, okay. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, the show started. First of all, the entire theater is covered in, like, flower power, like, on the playbill, brightly colored flowers, butterflies, mushrooms, uh, other shit like that. And, like, it started with, you know, uh, one woman standing downstage center singing a song. And you're like, okay. And then this, when the curtain came up and it transitioned into the second song, it was clearly like some sort of Alice in Wonderland thing going on. Okay. Because there was like a mushroom in the middle and, you know, a girl who was wearing like, you know, a bikini and bottoms dancing around on top of her mushroom. <laughs> mushroom. And, and, you know, you're like, okay, I see the Alice in Wonderland and this stuff. And there was, you know half-naked dancer boys and stuff and then down in the audience you know i saw i was like oh somebody's getting you know sat late but it wasn't it was you know one of the actors dressed clearly as alice you know she Mm -hmm. had a little blue dress on blonde long wig or whatever she was like trying to find her seat um and then like the naked dancer boys were like no come with us and like take her onto stage and and then, like, you know, there was a few other elements that were very, like, Alice in Wonderly. And then she, like... Alice in Wonderly. Wonderly. <laughs> and then she, like, pa- you know, passes... There's, like, you know, that psychedelic spinning wheel okay. that, like, you yeah. hypnotize people with. And she, like, fell asleep. And, and she then was it, like, Wonderly! No, no, no dialogue. Oh. I mean, oh, they were singing songs <laughs> that had absolutely nothing to do with what was going on. And then, wait, man, I don't even remember half the stuff. I'm like looking at this this song list, and I don't like <laughs> like it was just like after that because at first I was like. I don't really know what the show's about. And then I was like, oh, it's going to be some weird 60s take on Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. But after that, it they was like there was that. that? They picked it back up at the end. Okay. But literally, the it was just like, it was so bizarro. Like, all these songs were happening and we were like, all of them seemed like just completely fucking random. Like, like two songs later... There was a number where all of the, the, you know, a bunch of like half naked ensemble boys were on these surfboards and not just on like surfboards, but they were like, like up, 
looked like they were like elevated on these like platform type things that looked like waves oh. and were being, you know, they were being pushed around and then standing up on the surfboards and surfing. This song also was, I think it was, that was song didn't have lyrics. That was just like, they were just dancing. It was just a dance number on surfboards. And was with like, Alice, the girl that was like Alice, I can't remember. But then after that, they like all got off their surfboards and they were just like hanging out at the beach. And then Alice sings where the boys are. Where the boys are. And then like, then there was like this other random production number with this guy, like who's on a Vespa and, and was like, just riding around his Vespa singing. And then like the next scene was like, uh, 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 look at the song list. Yeah. The next scene was, Venus and it was like a painter and like a naked girl who he was just like splattering paint onto her mm-hmm. and singing that and then like the scene after that was Dion Figgins being like these boots were made for walking and she's like like they had you know the big digital screen in the uh, back and so, so that was what was most of the art. sets the, actually I have to say mm. the the digital artwork in some scenes I thought was much better than digital artwork I've seen before. Mm-hmm. There was some where I actually, there was a couple times where I actually didn't realize it was digital. Oh. Um, but then there was other times, like, like one of them had a, you know, the background was like, it was really sharp and like HD like, and looked really good. And it was like vegetation and plants and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one when they were like, you know, when they were at the beach or whatever, and it was all like fuzzy sort of oh. way. Like it was just very inconsistent. But then like Dion's character was like, Going on auditions for like a, you know, a go-go dancing TV show or something like that. And then like, they have names. I know, but it was very, they they didn't use their names. They didn't. There was no book. It was only the songs and these like. Is anyone credited as the book writer? I don't think so. look. Keep going. I mean, there's no book. There was no talking in between the songs. And then, like, there was a scene where, like, you know, Alice comes back and in one of the scenes she, like, meets a guy or something. And then, like, that was all the first act at intermission. I was just like, this is just nonsense. There's just no discernible anything going on. It's just all not, like, nothing has anything to do with anything. And then in the second act, it was sort of like, then there was sort of song, like, like, there was plot lines coming back in Mm -hmm. where like, then we saw the, you know, the guy from the Vespa was back again and sang another song. (laughs) And then the weird thing is that like, then in the second act, they started getting more, like you could see sort of the progression of time. And then in the second act, it was like Vietnam stuff Mm -hmm. started coming in. And like, you know, the guy on the Vespa, the other thing that was weird is that the first act, every single song had a completely different set and everyone had a completely different costume. Like it was like a complete, every single scene was a a brand new production. And then there was a point in the second act where I like leaned over to Philip and I was like, do you think they were designing the show and they got to this point and they realized they ran out of money? Mm. Because then there was like six songs in a row that took place on the same set, (laughs) which I was like, literally, I think you guys just ran out of money. Well, if it's just projections. Well, at that point it was a drop. Oh. Um, And it had doors in it, you know, but like then, you know, 
the guy from the Venus song who was the artist and then the guy from the Vespa both like got their draft cards oh, um, and had to go, you know, to Vietnam. And there was just like weird, weird oh shit. And then there was like an air balloon one where like Alice and the dude she found like got married and then flew away on an air balloon, a hot air balloon. And then like There's no one named Alice. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Right, like, right. I know what you're talking about based on. Yeah, I don't know what her, what, which, uh, you know, like, off-Broadway, off no headshots in the playbill. So it's oh, really sure. hard to figure out who yeah. everybody is besides Dion because I know who she is. Right. It it was just, it was just so much non, the worst one. Oh. Oh, what were you going to say? You've been oh, looking at that playbill I, yes. with, you look because like you have thoughts. I have thoughts. I have Thoughts. First of all, you're right. There is no book writer. Right. There is credited, created, directed, and choreographed by James Walski. Okay. So he created it. Great. Apparently it premiered in Japan. Okay. <laughs> Here's my main issue. Okay. Especially based on what you're saying. Yeah. Which this is ridiculous in playbills and plays anyway. But it says setting. Time, now. Yeah, I know. Place, here. No. It's not time now. No. It was in the it's 60s. time 60s. Yeah. Place fine here, whatever. But it's right. America. Right, so right, if you're right, preparing right. in Japan, it's not time right, right, right. place yeah. here, I mean. No. Because there was like plenty of like protest, you know, protesting well, moments. Like people and, got draft cards and it right. was Vietnam. Right. And right. The time is not now. And nobody's, you know, surfing USA right now. <laughs> Which is not one of the songs. Right. But still. Wait, I want to remember what song... Just like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Were there people that were there, like all the other jukebox musicals, that were like, I love this music? Yeah, or was I mean, everybody no, like, yeah, what's I mean, happening? No, nah, the guy next to me was like, loved it. Ugh. You know, and not like loved it, like the guy that you sat next to at Motown loved it, but like was, you know, was like, oh, okay, I love this song. You know, but like I walked out of it and turned to Philip and was like, do you think when they start making jukebox musicals with like in sync music and Spice Girls music and all that stuff, that I will, we will have the same reaction? Well, those that's where what we I won't was talking fucking about last care week. how nonsense it is because I'll just be like, Wannabe was in it. At least, literally, there's no one credited as writing any sort of book. Right. Unlike I mean, there was literally no dialogue between, musicals between that songs. we've seen. Right. Absolutely. Where there's like, oh, Barry Gordy wrote the story of his life according to Barry Gordy, right, right. who's not a writer. Yeah. Do I have where the boys are stuck in my head? I can't believe there were two acts. Me either. Like, I saw that you were seeing it, and I looked it up. I saw on Instagram, so I was like, what's this show? She's (laughs) never heard of it, and I'm sure you had never heard. It's like those, especially a lot of those off-Broadway shows that just come out of nowhere. Right. And I looked it up, and I I also was like, oh, Dion Figgins. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, I don't, I can't tell what this is. It's like 60s psychedelic. And then you texted at intermission, and I was like, there's an intermission? Yeah. It just seemed like one of those 90-minute deals. Yeah, and when I texted you, I was like, I need other people to see this to confirm what is happening. Yeah. Because it was all nonsense. But there was like a song that was like about, you know, that based on the lyrics is clearly about people dying in Vietnam Mm -hmm. and the way they staged it was like, you know, I guess it was in the first act because it was before Alice found a guy, but like Alice is like at the park and there's like a gazebo and there's all these couples around and 
the way they were singing it was like, look at Alice. She's all alone and there's all these couples. Maybe they didn't get to this, the graveyard part. <laughs> or like, it was really like, funny. Like I was sitting gone. there listening to it and watching it and I like leaned to Philip and was like, isn't this about people dying in Vietnam? And he was like, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But they've decided to use it yeah, as like, just a, didn't look at everybody who's all coupled up and I'm alone. It was fucked up. Yeah. Well, because the first three verses are about the flowers going to young girls, the young girls going to soldiers, and then the soldiers go to graveyards. Right. But they probably didn't right, say right, right, right. But then there was like, I mean, to 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 just be you know fair, I don't think it's open yet. I think it was in pre. Okay. It's in early previews. Okay. Um. You know, which was also apparent to me when everyone came out to do the curtain call and they were wearing costumes that we had never seen. Oh. And then I looked in the song list and I was like, the last song is supposed to be Sign of the Time slash Batman slash Born to be Wild. What? Batman? Which we didn't see, but the costumes, I assume, (laughs) the costumes that they were wearing were like, you know, primary colors, like blocks, and the girls' dresses said like, wham, pow, on them. So they cut that. Right. They they cut it. still wearing those costumes. Right? Because I was like, that's one of my favorite things, when they they cut a a song, but they were Mm -hmm. like, shit, we spent all that money on those costumes. You're going to wear it in the curtain call. Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was a lot of nonsense, but also like the Alice in Wonderland thing came back in the end. Now. I mean, I love a curtain call costume. My favorite, but it should go. You know, it should be something that we understand why it's happening. Is Joseph's all white curtain call? <laughs> but like, uh, no, yeah, you definitely, yeah, absolutely. At the end, it went back to the Alice in Wonderland thing, and she like woke up. So Philip thinks that oh. the whole show was like. <sighs> her acid trip dream and she was on an acid trip for 10 years and woke up in the mid seventies. I don't know. I don't think there was actually, I don't think so either. I mean, it was just not my cup of tea. Oh, Mm. (laughs) yeah. Even though we liked Wonderland, I bet other people didn't think there could be a musical using Alice. That would be worse than that. Right. I liked Wonderland. <laughs> well, right. But, yeah. You know how we feel about Frank Wildhorn versus how the rest of America feels I, about Frank Wildhorn. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, this show, Trip of Love, was, I mean, take, like, your mom to it because she'll, you know. <laughs> Buy your mom tickets and don't go. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, unless you want to witness. It is not <sighs> something I would have chosen to see. Sure. But I don't want to see another 60s jukebox no, musical. No, no, I mean, if it's a bio one, that's different. Only right. because I'm going to give it a chance because beautiful works. Right. One day we'll see Jersey Boys and maybe we'll decide that that right. works. But I just, I don't need to see another Time Life collection. Right. I don't need stage. to, I don't have any desire to sit down and hear these songs again. Like, I, I, like, I them, like them, so I will just listen to them right, on my own. Right, right. Or like, give me a story. Yeah, or I'll watch Now and Then. Yeah. <laughs> now and Then the musical. <gasps> That's our fate, one of our favorite things to Dreamcast. I love that movie It's so hard much. to Dreamcast the kids because we don't know all the potential kids. Right, they, but, they pretty much need you know, to be on today those. was Sidney Lucas's last day <gasps> and and uh if it gets going now mm-hmm. and she's involved in workshops and it gets up in a couple of years. Yeah. Who she do you could, 
I think she would be, well, I don't want to go like lesbian again, but she would be a good Roberta. That's true. I don't want her always typecast. Right, right, right. But she's so good. She's I, she so could play good. any of those. Yeah. Well, she would be a good Sam too. Young Demi Moore. Yeah. She's not a lesbian, but is a little like she does dark. Come, does show up in that vest. Yeah. She's well, a writer. Like 90s. Isn't she a writer? Yeah, she is. Yeah. She wrote novels and she has those like... Cir- like really dark John Lennon circle sunglasses. Yeah. I want to watch that movie tonight. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, to everyone's credit, obviously performances were, for, like, were up there working it. I mean, everybody. The thing that I found like just baffling and impressive was how many like you know failing direction fail the way mm-hmm. the. S- structure of who was in which scenes and stuff because there were some multiple times where like there was a relatively large ensemble you know plenty of people mm-hmm. and certainly everybody wasn't in every scene but there were multiple times where you know something was happening downstage in between a song change and then i realized that like all the same people were in the who were in the last scene were in this scene so when they come back on you know 30 seconds later that everyone had to do a quick change and oh, everyone came back on the stage like <gasps> You know, and you're like, rearrange the songs. Like, yeah. don't make people do that. Ugh. You know, and I know it's first preview, but there was like a, there was like one or two times where like, not that it affected the show at all, but the curtain, you know, a scrim had come down. And when the scrim came back up, like there was like four people still like walking to their oh, spots, amazing. which maybe, you know, is something yeah. you can easily and tighten up. But it's like, guys, yeah. when you have a show that's structured like this, where it's all just nonsense, those are easy things to avoid yeah. for your actors so that they don't have to come back on huffing and puffing to, you know, do another song. It's yeah. not, you know. There's no rhyme or reason. Right. There's no reason to make them work so hard in that way. Right. Right. Oh, come on. But I mean, they were all fantastic. And I have, I mean, if you are attracted to male bodies, oh. I, I do think this could oh. be a show for you because there was m- a lot of Just like eye candy, a, a lot of no shirt wearing men with mm. lots of um, muscles, muscles, <laughs> Abs and abs, such. abs, yeah. lots of abs and good oh. shoulders. Oh, I love and shoulders. arms and stuff. Yeah. You know, mm. abs, shoulders, and arms. Lost on me, but well, sure. There, are, where there were some. The theater, there was one scene of attracts. breasts, naked oh. breasts, but she had paint on them. Oh. So, but you know, yeah. That scene was also like some of the stuff they did was cool. They sure. had like this glow in the dark paint that oh. he was like actually painting her body mm-hmm. with, and like that was really it was cool and stuff. I don't know why any of it was happening though. <laughs> I mean, I know why it was happening. It was happening yeah. because baby boomers got money. I walked out of the show and I said, when are people going to stop pandering to baby boomers and start pandering to me? Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know. Viva forever. Come on. <laughs> come, come on. Come on. I want to see you. I know I never will. Yeah. And the 80s people got Rock of Ages, which I love too. Right. But like, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. about like... I want, I want like a, a 90s, like smooth R&B musical. Like with a lot of saxophone? Yeah, a lot of saxophone. Like like I'm thinking like Boys to Men. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The end of the road. That stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we also saw a really great show tonight. 
It was a surprise. 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 We saw Jason Danielly at 54 Below. Uh, it was so, such a wonderful surprise because I love Jason so much. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting to get to see his show. And then we got to see it. And it was delightful. Yeah. I mean, he's just wonderful. He was having the time of his Absolutely. life. Absolutely. And it was so much fun to watch him. Yeah. Yeah. I liked his suit. It was a nice His suit. His suit was nice. Yeah. yeah. And he was like having so much fun and doing a lot of like dance moves mm. and arm movements. And he kept sort of mussing up his hair. Yeah. And sometimes it was like standing straight up in like a pompadour and it looked really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I really appreciated about his performance that I that I registered while we were watching? I was like, there's a lot of performers where like in concert settings when there's a instrumental break and they're not... They don't like, what do I do? Yeah. And they get really awkward. I, I thought, feel like that whenever I'm singing a song <laughs> with an instrumental break. Well, take notes from Jason because yeah. he was fantastic. Yeah. He like, I watching him, I was like, yeah, like you know exactly what you're doing the whole time you're on stage. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those like minute things though, but it can just like break the song when mm. somebody like... Oh, this is an instrumental break. What am I doing standing on stage? I feel so weird. Like you can just see it on their face. Yeah. And he was so great. I yeah. Mean, he's so fantastic. Well, I think the structure of his show helped a little bit uh, because the like the feel of it was mm. a lot of there was like a lot of jazz feeling, which in jazz, there's a lot of that passing it around. Mm. This, you know, that's why when an instrument does their little solo, there's always a clap because it's not just the singer. It's right. like everybody gets to do their bit. Yeah. I think that helped. Mm, I like that um, electric bass. Yeah. I love an electric bass. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, love, a, I love bass. Mm. It's good. I love bass too. Yeah. Yeah. I love a bass instrument and I love a yeah, bass singer. a bass singer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was a great voice. Mm-hmm. Sang oh, sang a lot of like fun eighties songs. He sang the last American Hero theme song, which probably five of you know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I actually, had no idea. Had what you it was. not heard that song? Nope. Oh, I okay. mean, probably, maybe there it's was on a few an parts where I was like, Girls. "I think I recognize it." It's on an episode of Gilmore well, Girls. Then I probably yeah towards the end of the series. Yeah, you know when Jackson wins the town selectman. Yes, Hep Alien sings it. At the rally, uh, but they sing like a uh, punk version. Okay, of okay. It. So the song is, you know, believe it or not, I'm walking on air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the part yeah. of the song that I was like, yeah. I've heard well, this before. Yeah, because that's. But like I do the, I, the majority of the songs he delightful. sang. I didn't know. Mm. It was funny. He sang some. What did he say? Boston. I didn't know that song. Me either. But um, a lot of 80s stuff, which he was like, I'm not just going to sing songs from the 80s. And then he sang more songs from the 80s. <laughs> you don't need to apologize for singing songs know, from the right? 80s, man. Yeah. You just do it. Yeah. But it was so sweet. And he, he sang a beautiful song from a show that Marin did, his wife Marin Maisie, Marin Amazing, mm. and dedicated it to her. And as most of you know, she uh, has been battling ovarian cancer. They just sort of released this information. He mm. posted about it on his blog, which we realized the timing most likely was right. because he was doing these shows and right. it was obviously he was going to come up. Well, the thing that I thought was so, I mean, because also from all, all accounts I've heard, Marin has been at every single performance yeah. this weekend. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the whole, the whole show was love songs. And so mm-hmm. it was really cool to like, 
have her be sitting right there yeah. and he was singing. I mean, like he he spoke about her and dedicated one song to her, but like he was saying the whole show to her. Like yeah. it was awesome. Like yeah. it was so beautiful. And like, you know, they're just like the beautiful, amazing Broadway, like sexy couple. It's true. Yeah. It was very sweet. Yeah. And Marin Macy mm. is such a strong, awesome lady. She is. And I got to say, she's totally rocking the, you know, her hair's growing back a little bit. Right. But, like, she's totally rocking that look. Yeah. Looks good on her. Yeah, she looks great. You know, we all just love Marin's long, beautiful hair, mm. but she's rocking that bald. Yeah. I love her. She's so great. And I really wanted to not be like, I'm in a room with Marin Maisie because I wanted to be like, I'm at Jason Daniels concert. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Yeah. And I I don't I, we haven't even known him that long. Hmm. As far as like being aware of his being work. Being aware of his work. Yeah, and I'm so happy that I do now. Yeah. I think the first time, well, cuz when him and Marin did that American Songbook concert, which I think was 2 or 3 years mm-hmm. ago even maybe. Probably two years ago. I went to that and it was when I went to that that I like, because I had already listened to the Curtains cast recording. I saw Curtains, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't like, you know, connected it or been aware of like who was singing those songs. Also at that time, you especially weren't paying attention to men and shows. No, definitely not at (laughs) all. At all. But I loved the the song from Curtains. Um, He sings, I Miss the Music, Mm -hmm. which is like one of the most... It's such a beautiful song, and I knew it from curtains. And then when I saw the concert, he it was a Candor Neb concert. When that song was being introduced, I think Jason told the story um, that the song, that song was a song that John wrote after Fred had died. I think you told me and this the, story. Yeah, yeah, because the context of it in the show, in curtains, is like, Karen Ziemba's character and Jason's character were songwriters slash like lovers mm-hmm. or were married and they like break up and and he sings a song about like the thing I miss most is the music we wrote together. Mm-hmm. So hearing that story and then having Jason sing the song and then realizing that like really that song was written about you know, candor yeah. and Ebb's relationship made me like sob a lot. <sighs> and that was the the moment when I was like, you're the beautiful voice I've been listening to on that mm. cast recording, Jason. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> his voice is just a dream. I mean, I think the first time I was aware of him was next to normal, mm. which I didn't see with them. Mm. And I really, really wish I had, but yeah. everybody was like, Oh, a amazing is doing the show with her husband. Right. And I was like, what? Mother from Ragtime? What's that now? <laughs> I saw Marin and Jason in Next to Normal, and it, they were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they were both incredible. Yeah. And then he was like on a radar. And I, Can Can was the first thing I saw him in. Yeah. I, I think, didn't see curtains. I think Can Can was the first besides curtains that I Well, and like thing that you were aware of him right, right, when right, you saw right. it. Yeah, yeah. Which is such a different thing. Totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I saw great. Beth Level in Forty Second Street, but yeah. shit, I yeah. did not know who Beth Level was mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah, if you guys have the chance to see Jason Daniels in anything, his voice is so pretty. He's great, and he really just—we've seen so many cabaret shows, mm. and he is one of the people I think that had the most fun up there. I agree. I absolutely agree. 
Yeah. You know, and like there were flubs and there were whatever, but like he was rolling with it yeah. and using it. Totally. And just having a fucking blast. Yeah. yeah. He clearly, you know, there's some people who have their written banter and they need to stick to it. And if they go off the banter, they don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And he and was I like, scripts. right. Like he had banter, but he also had improv. Yeah. And it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he was so comfortable on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great He's, to be back at 54 Blow. Yeah. Feinstein slash yes, 54. <laughs> um, but he has one more performance mm-hmm. tomorrow. I mean, today, if you're, well, yeah, you're listening. Tonight. tonight uh, Monday. Monday um, so if you can make it, go. Because yeah. it's wonderful and He's his great. voice is so pretty. And Marin will probably be sitting in the back of the room. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's always exciting to be in her presence. Yes. <laughs> Something less fun to talk about, but uh, we'll proceed with caution because there is talk about a number ah. in the new show. Well, it's it's a it's it's Broadway new debut, pro- right? Broadway debut because it was off Broadway yeah, yeah, yeah. of Dames at Sea, mm. first time on Broadway. There, I don't know the show, me either, and I recognize the name of the song but i don't know more than that it's called singapore sue and apparently it was always very racist and they tried to make it less racist and we have varying reports on that yeah well initially i it was it was people were tweeting about it back mm-hmm. and forth on twitter and at deep thought is what her 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 handle is um she's an asian person and was discussing how offensive it is right and so i would defer to her right but i haven't seen it right and you said that you well, received like, updates yeah i've heard from two two people who have seen the show in the last week and like the thing that the thing that i found most problematic when this first came out was the article that was talking about mm-hmm. it that, that we all read had a quote from the director, Randy Skinner, saying, like, well, we've changed it, and I think when you see it, you're going to say, like, that really works. And I was like, never, you shouldn't know. Like, having that, I, that like, if you're a white person doing that, having that idea in your head that you're going to fix it and make it work is arrogant and, and dangerous, you know? And so that was most, that was really problematic to me that that was like well, the sign of bad and I th- things to come i think what's telling in that also was that he said you know we talked to the estate that holds the rights to us and they told us to give it a try and i would hope that that would mean you would try it and tell them it wasn't working mm. and then there was that quote that's like right. you're not gonna believe it but we did it right i mean so one person on twitter who i, who I tweeted at was like you know, was like, I don't, I didn't know what the show was before. I didn't think the song was, I didn't really think it was that, you know, really racist or anything. And then our good friend, Kevin Daly saw it tonight and said, he, you know, I trust Kevin Daly's opinion on Mm -hmm. it. And he was like, they really did kind of scrub it clean. I mean, like if you listen to the original song, the original lyrics, it is real, real racist. I mean, it's like, Talking mm-hmm. about what a pretty little oriental right. girl, you know, like it's really fucking bad. Yeah. And from what he said, the production now is, it's not like it still takes place, you know, it's 
Singapore is in the title. Right. But it's not, you know, there's no yellow face and it's not, it's it, not, the, it's not the actors who are performing the song are not at all meant to be playing Asian people. Okay, because that's what I was going to say. If it's But they're still, still in Asian garb. Okay. But they're not meant to be playing Asians. But they're not meant to be playing Asians. Well, we'll see. We're seeing it at the end of the month after it's frozen. So maybe, it, maybe it'll be gone by then right. or maybe they'll keep retooling it. Right. We're still excited to see the show. Mm. Oh, you know what, Kevin? Because Kevin was like, yeah. obviously, Leslie Margarita is fucking wonderful. I mean, I mean come on, because we she's perfect. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. he gave me this Dreamcast, which I need to have happen real, real soon. Mm-hmm. Leslie Margarita, the Drowsy Chaperone. <gasps> right? Oh, my God. Right? God. Can you... I just want her to sing Stumble as we yeah. stumble along yeah. right now. Yeah. But also just like... The, oh, I'm just imagining her Antarctica, a place. Ugh. Like, I want Leslie Margaret to be in the Drowsy Chaperone yes. right now. Right now. God, I love the Drowsy Chaperone. Uh, if too. anyone knows of a high, a reputable production of... Uh, Drowsy Chaperone that's happening in the relatively near future near New York City. I'd travel to see it. Here's, I guess, what I would say to anyone doing an old-timey show. If a number in your show actually resembles the, what's that song? Something of a nightingale. From what? From Drowsy Chaperone that opens the second act. Don't remember. Where he puts on the wrong record. Right, 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 right. And it's like, right, 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 yeah. If a number in your show, um... Uh, resembles that, that you can't you can't do it because the reason why that's in the drowsy right. chaperone is because it's is funny because it's so because they're racist. like this is what shows used to do right and if you're still doing that it's not okay it's a problem yeah i mean definitely you know what i've been thinking a lot about is how who we are today would have reacted to anything goes. Oh, sure. Because well, we, we were talking about had that. a problem with it. We did. But I know at the time, I think both of us were sort of like, I don't really know what you would do to fix yeah. that. Yeah. And I think if me today was seeing that production, you know, four years yeah. ago, I yeah. would have been really a much, right. you know, I wasn't woke back then. Right. <laughs> I am now woke. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there should be a better way to say that, but I don't know. Well, listen, is. you know me in grammar, but I, I kind of like the, like, stay woke. Yeah. I like it. It's a, because it's a slogan. It's not, right. it's meant to be catchy. Right. And if something is grammatically wrong, it's generally catchy. Right. Or like slangy, it's catchy. So it works. Yeah. Stay woke, everybody. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, we were talking about that too. And I said, I don't, I don't know. It definitely wouldn't have been passed by as easily by us as it was right i was thinking about it on the train the other day i was like how i was really trying to think i was like how could you change it and fix that and one of the ideas i was like could you just cast an asian woman as reno maybe but then that defeats the purpose of them like wearing those i think to like get away well because like well right right right. because they still have the i guess the you know joel gray still has to dress up in asian garb if you I think one thing to do is to make those characters less stereotypical well, themselves, the actual yes. Asian characters. Yes. And then maybe even dressing up in a costume, not not passing, not using it to pass off as Asian, but using it to disguise yourself. Right. If already those characters aren't stereotypes, mm. and then you're just using it as a disguise, not necessarily as, oh, I am Asian. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. Then it then it might work that way or you just find a different thing to do. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's... it's but again, you have those estates that control the mm-hmm. rights. And then it's like, do we try and work around this or do we not do the show? Right. And... A lot of the times you just shouldn't do the show. Yeah. I mean, it depends. It, you're not going to, I'm going to say it depends on the show. Right. Because if it's just that one thing, maybe there is a way you can work around it. But if it's like the Mikado, then you just don't do the show. Yeah. Just don't do the show. <laughs> yeah. Nobody or needs like, to do the fucking Mikado. Like Zorba. Nobody needs just to don't do, do Zorba. The show. Just don't do it. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I would like to see so, a we'll, scrubbed you know, up we'll anything see. goes. Yeah, yeah. I think you could have an Asian Reno. I think you could too. I just think I also don't like have thing. you know. I can't remember all the details, but one of the biggest de- one of the things I was thinking about, I was like, how you know at the end because they pretend that she is Asian and that's why she can get married, right? But the only reason she passes is because she has like a thick veil on, right? But you could also you know there's no, you know no reason why you couldn't just have an Asian woman yeah. play that character, but that probably doesn't. Well, that's slightly problematic only because even though it's not a show that deals with racial issues, right. because of that, it does deal with race on some level. Yeah. Where there's like characters who are supposed to be of a certain race. Right. right. And that dictates how the other characters deal with Right. That. It's, it's, uh, it's tricky. It's tricky. And maybe you just do it in concert form. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Yeah, I feel like something with anything goes, one of the reasons, like, uh, you know, kind of all of the characters are parodies. Yeah. But, you know, parodying white people is a really big difference than parodying anyone else. Yeah. You know, because we have human depictions of white people to Mm -hmm. balance out the parody. just the stereotypes Exactly. So, like, if, you know... There's also a difference between satire and... And stereotype and right. parody. Absolutely. And to probably, I would say, to create a, a really good satire of a, a certain uh, ethnic or social or cultural group, you need someone who belongs to that group. Uh-huh. On your side, at mm-hmm. least, if not doing the, the mm-hmm. writing themselves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end so, of the day, if you ever have, if you're ever not sure about something and it pertains to race... Don't ask a white person. No, ask someone from that group and listen to them. Yep. And take them seriously. Yes. That's what you should do. Yeah. And maybe maybe that person won't have an issue with it and 50 other people from their group will. That happens. But but at that point, I don't know. Majority wins. That's part of art. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to go with the majority. And then you have to be like, oh, okay, I thought I did my best, but next time I'll do better. Right. But you should never answer with like, I have a black friend. They said it was okay. No. No. Don't do that. No. We're real preachy right now. Yeah. (laughs) This has been Preach. The more you know. Shooting star. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Something that is probably the most important thing we'll talk about this week. <gasps> more important than than getting race right. Whoa. No, I'm just joking. Nothing's more important than that. Uh, Rebecca. <gasps> oh, God. I'm so happy. Oh, I'm so hopeful. Has potentially some <laughs> new investors. I, I just, I want to see it. I want to see it I so just, badly. I mean... I mean, at this it's point, it's never gonna die. 
It won't die. She's invincible. Oh, yeah. I really She's enjoy invincible. Your, your tweet of lyrics. Yeah, I mean, those lyrics were perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah. She is much too strong to die. Also, the Playbill article only mentioned that they put the marquee up one time. Uh, they put the marquee up twice. At two different theaters. Come on, we can get it on a third. They were like, it got so close. There was a marquee up on the Broadhurst. Yeah, I was at the yeah. Broadhurst. And because that was when it it was like the day before they were supposed to start right, rehearsals. Right. So that was when it was super close. But I was like, uh PS, there was it was on a marquee before that. What was the other one? I don't, I don't remember. remember. Somebody tweet us. Yeah. Tell us. I don't feel like looking it up. Sorry, Me guys. Either. I'm real tired. <laughs> but oh my God. Can you imagine? Oh my God, I'm so, I want it to happen. I know. I, I am, I mean, listen, I will be at the first preview of Rebecca. Yeah, well, let's do it. We have to do it. I mean, I, listen, I, I got like $90 in quarters in that jar over there. Like, I will pay full price. I don't care. Yeah. I have to have, I'm pretty I need sure they'll have like at least, you know, $50. Right, 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 right. But I'm saying yeah. I will purchase a full price ticket to the first preview because yeah. there's no way I'm missing that shit. Yeah. I will be. And maybe can somebody, can anybody, does anybody know right now if they can get us into the dress rehearsal? Like, oh yeah. Invite email us. Patty and Emily at gmail.com. Yeah. The gypsy, gypsy run. I want to go. I want to, I just said, well, I'm Listen, so excited. Here's the thing about this. What? Probably. That's what it said. They prob or possibly probably or possibly have new investors. Well, so. sure. I mean, this is all coming from a what's his name, the lead producer, yeah. who's the guy that got scammed. I mean, yeah. he he's not a reliable person. Yeah, clearly. Right. Well, but I if he, he does, he's like, got gusto. I hope he has you know better uh, skills at reading people this time. <laughs> Me too. Just go to normal Broadway producers, although they're like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, why would why would they? Well, you know what's still? Um, I'm still on the side of I can't pronounce his name. Thibodeau. That one. Yeah, I'm still on his side. I'm still, I can't believe I'm Team Thibodeau. What he got. He That's was a whistleblower. Bullshit. Fucking bullshit, man. He was a whistleblower. He should it not. And I wasn't the I mean, right in the article. Go, it said that he had like an appeal. I hope it I think he's through. appealing. Well, I mean, better. I mean, he I fucking better because that's wouldn't. bullshit. He should not you know. Guys, he did the right thing. I mean, we talked about this before, but yeah. if you, if you don't know, was it a New York Times article or was it a, like a New Yorker article? There was an article that like went through the whole. Oh, the big out. article yeah. that was in Vanity Fair. Oh, one of those things. <laughs> Find it and read it. Right. Because. Yeah. It's intense. Craziness. Craziness. But, yes. I can't wait. I'm going to listen to the Japanese cast recording. Mm. And I'll listen to it in German. And then in English. Is the, I was going to say, you have the, is it demos or what's the English? Or did they the English, do it? Did I they? Th- the English is demos okay. because it has like a voiceover being mm. like, and oh, then in the like next scene. Not, like not straight. Yeah, a little bit of setup. Mm. It's, it's weird. It's helpful. like, it's like. And then I goes upstairs and finds the this big portrait, and she doesn't know who it is. And you know, well, I can't wait. Uh, me either. It better happen. Oh God, I want it to happen so badly. Oh. Please, theater goddesses, make yes. it happen. Yes, DMC. <laughs> I want to see it. And I and I hope Rebecca. that. Um, and I hope Donna English is in it still. Me too. Ugh. I hope Donna English is in it. I hope Karen Mason is in it. I mean, it. I hope all of the Me original too. cast are, you know, still get to do it. Right. 
Oh, well, so Jill Pace, close. if it's happening soon, she won't be able to do it's it. It's not happening soon. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what is happening soon? What? If it only even runs <gasps> a minute. I'm so excited. And we sat down with creators, Jennifer Ashley Tepper and Kevin Michael Murphy today for an interview. I love that they both have three names. I know, right? And now I just call her Jen Tepper, though, because Jennifer Ashley Tepper's a lot. Yeah, I feel like I say Jen Tap or yeah, or Jen Ash Tap. I call her because mm-hmm. that's her Twitter mm-hmm. handle. Yeah. Anyway, you guys all know who she is, and Kevin Michael Murphy is brilliant and funny, and he yes. was on the Book of Mormon tour. Yeah, I've known him for a very long time, and it's one of our favorite things. And it's happening next, next, next Wednesday, the fourteenth yeah. of October. Yeah, next week. And on Thursday, this upcoming Thursday, the eighth, we'll release that interview with them. Yeah. And. They're so great. Oh, they're so fun. And they and have awesome. such good stories. Yeah. And if you don't already have or haven't perused, you should check out the books that Jen Tupper oh, yeah. has out about Broadway theaters. Mm-hmm. It's like there's uh, two volumes out right. right now and there's more to come. And it's like uh, just like amazing, awesome, fucking cool stories from mm-hmm. all these people about different Broadway houses, which is like if you love Broadway and history. Yeah. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. I'd love both those things. <laughs> and I agree with you. <laughs> Carolee, 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 Carolee. Update. So this is like, it didn't quite happen this week, but Car- so Julie Andrews went to go see Finding uh, Neverland. <gasps> did you not see I this? I did, and I oh, forgot. Oh, about yeah, it. yeah. And like when it happened, Carolee had posted. Like, you know, it's a group shot and she had posted, like she zoomed in right on her. She was standing right next to Julie Uh and posted it and was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. It's Julie Andrews. Uh And then this week she, she did a throwback Thursday of it and she posted it again. I love that. (laughs) She said in honor of Julie Andrews birthday, this was also her TBT from a couple weeks ago when she visited Neverland Broadway and I actually stood next to her dot, dot, dot and cried. Hashtag 80 and gorgeous. Oh. It's so I just I, I Julie just, Andrews is eighty. I know. Why? How old do you think she is? I don't know. She seems like at the very most sixty-five. Just because of how like I understand eighty seems about right y- to me. Young. I mean, like like age wise and timeline wise, right, 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 right. definitely she's yeah. eighty years old. But like, I'm like, no, 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 Julie <laughs> Andrews, you can't possibly be more than sixty five. Yeah, you're so youthful and full of life. I get not it. that eighty year olds aren't, but you know what I mean. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, but I just, I just love that. I love that Carolee Carmelo gets starstruck. Well, it's Julie Andrews. I mean, it is Julie Andrews. If you don't get starstruck around Julie Andrews, I'm gonna punch you in the face. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> That's Some jaded fucking asshole. Julie Andrews. Oh, she's so... <laughs> That's Mary fucking Poppins. Yeah. She won a fucking Oscar for that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is it? God, there's someone that I was like, she shouldn't have won that well, Oscar. I, it was should have gone to Debbie Reynolds for, I uh, think it was... Molly Brown? The, yeah, I think it, that mm. was what was the same year. Mm. was the unsinkable Molly Brown. Mm. And you're like, listen, Julie Andrews. <laughs> I feel like she knows. She gets it. But she's also Julie Andrews, so she deserves an Oscar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, like, amazing that, like... For Princess Diaries, too. Also, like, think about... The Oscars don't honor works like that anymore. No. The, the, uh, those early Oscars, it was, like, a, f- a f- delightful free-for-all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Julie Andrews. Oh, we're talking about Carolee. And Carolee Carmelo. Carolee Carmelo. Yes. She's so wonderful. And uh, Tuck Everlasting tickets went on sale. Oh, yeah, I saw that. So if get your you, tickets. Get your tickets to Tuck Everlasting. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see it again. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I was at a baby shower with a bunch of children's book editors this weekend, and they were all pretty excited about... The Tuck Everlasting musical. That's so cute. Yeah. I definitely... And also Hamilton, because everyone everywhere is excited about Hamilton. Mm, well, <laughs> yes. I want. I guess I... Hmm, I'm trying to think if I think reading the book before seeing the show, because I had never read the book. Mm-hmm. And so when before I went to Atlanta, I read it. I don't remember how closely to the Atlanta trip mm-hmm. I read the book and how fresh it was in right. my mind. I haven't read it in a like since I was you know kid. eleven or something. So maybe if I read it, read it like soon-ish. now, right? Also because it's a short, you know, yeah. it's a kids, but you can yeah. read, read it in like, like a day, day. or less, yeah. you know. And it, yeah. the book, I mean, it, the book is so mm. beautiful, mm-hmm. which. You know, as I've already spoken about <laughs> yeah. on my review episode yeah. of it, there were some issues mm-hmm. I had with it that I know they're not going to fix. Which is why I think you should read the book because I think the book has such an amazing message. Like, you know, talking to kids about dying is really difficult. And this Mm -hmm. is one of those books that can crack that issue open with kids. You know, it really, it it makes you, a kid sit down and think like, because if you're a kid, you're like, I want to live forever. Yeah. Um, It's such an amazing book. I want to read it again. Yeah. Carolee Carmelo is beautiful. <laughs> Carolee Carmelo is a smart, intellectual, wonderful woman. And compassionate. Compassionate. Now it's time for the Laura Benanti Tweet, Tweet of, of the, the week. week. So this week, Laura Benanti posted a really amazing and beautiful um, story that she wrote for the Huffington Post about a mar- miscarriage that she had recently. Um, and if you haven't already read it, you absolutely should go check it out and read it because it's wonderful. It's really well written. Laura Benanti is fantastic. And I, you know, most it's about her personal experience and really it's a rally cry to end the stigma about talking about miscarriages, which is, I mean, massive, like based on the scale of how many women experience miscarriages Mm -hmm. and how often it's talked about, it's insane. Like it is such a dirty secret that people hold like, and I've actually had two Facebook friends, women I've known. It's weird to call them women because I've literally known them since we were children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but who have recently posted about their own experiences. And I really do think that it's it's like there's a feeling in the air that right. let's talk about this. And, and as Laura says in her, her own essay it, that's not to mean that if you don't feel like talking about it right. that we're trying to shame you into it's yeah. whatever your experience is but it it is so much more commonplace than anyone knows that it is because it happens to so many people so, yeah. i mean these are their stories to tell so i'm i'm not going to go into any detail but i have family members that have had miscarriages along with those women who i found out had them right uh, and so many more, I'm sure, that I know that have had that or that I don't know that have had them. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing, like, when I read it immediately, like, I retweeted it and I was like, my mm. mom had three children and two miscarriages. Yeah. Like, women have miscarriages all yeah. the time. Yeah. And, like... And- and women with children. And I think right. that's part of the the scary part that that... 
a woman, especially if it's her first pregnancy who has a miscarriage and thinks that, oh God, can I carry children? Right. And that doesn't mean that you can't. Right, right. Because there's just so many, I mean, there's so, listen, you know, making babies in your body is... is it's hard business. It's I mean, in And if you think about, if you think about the way that it was worded of people who had children hundreds of years ago, where they said, you know, she had five children to adulthood. Yeah. Where that means how many children did she have right. uh, that died in infancy? Right. And obviously we've moved past that for the most part mm-hmm. uh, with medicine and whatever, all of that good stuff. <laughs> but what also isn't being said is how many of those women also had miscarriages. Absolutely. Yeah. And probably at that time, didn't nobody talked about shit, well, so yeah. they didn't know right. what was happening. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing that that she brought up that really made me think about it also was how nobody tells people they're pregnant the, during the first trimester. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to tell until you know the second trimester because it's so common to have miscarriages in the first. Yeah, but it's sort of like. You know, obviously, it's an incredibly personal and really painful thing that if you don't want to talk about it, you shouldn't have to. Yeah. But yeah, it does seem like, well, you can't tell anyone during your first trimester because how horrible would it be to have to tell people that you lost it? Yeah. You know, it's like it really comes back to down to like that weird human thing we do where, you know, people are like, hey, how are you? And you're like, I'm good. And everybody yeah. just says, I'm good. Like, yeah. God, I, nothing makes me more angry. And obviously there's a difference between an acquaintance you confide in and mm. a friend you confide in and a person you don't actually know. But those fucking statements that are like, how are you is a greeting, not a question. That's like, don't tell me how you are. Wait, what? That's what that's saying. It's saying when I ask you, how are you? Don't actually tell me how you are. People are actually arguing that how are you is a greeting and not yeah. a question. No, you just I mean, don't I, use it. Like, I work if, in, you, if I ask uh, you how you are, don't, don't actually tell me. Don't fucking say it. <laughs> I work in customer service and I deliberately only say how are you to the customers that I actually care to know yeah. that and like yeah. a lot of time i think it slips out but how sure every fucking day when i go to work it's well, like people being like hey how are you large coffee and again there's also a difference between your like not even your barista but the person at the coffee shop you walked into right who says how are you and you may not have to be like oh i just lost my job <laughs> and like my wife left me and i'm right. a country song now <laughs> um versus like someone that you know who you don't, you're just like, I'm having a rough day. Yeah. You don't even have to be like, all these terrible things happen right, to me. Right. But like you as another human should be like, oh man, that sucks. Right. But it, you should just like And that's it. Like it doesn't when, have to be more than that. Right. But it does have to be some human interaction and compassion. Right. There's nothing Ugh. like it seems it's just for some reason and maybe it's gotten worse in our social media culture, but I doubt I pretty much think it's always been this way that there's some stigma around admitting that you're not amazing all the well, time. Yeah. Like it's I think, crazy. I think on some level it has gotten worse because there is that whole, like now I can curate what people see right, about my right, life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, working and having people constantly say, Hey, how are you? And not 
give a shit is extremely exhausting. Mm. That's like one of the most exhausting parts of my job, I think, because it's it's really emotionally taxing to talk to so many people all day and, uh, you know, about the weather (laughs) (laughs) and have people run right over you because they want to tell you that they want cream and sugar. Like, yeah. I've, I've, I make a very conscious effort to try and like, if I'm being rung up by someone and they, you know, if it it's a, Hey, how are you type mm-hmm. of thing? I will stop like getting my money out and look them in the eye and be like, I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Because I fucking hate it when people do that mm-hmm. to me and I'm working on register. Yeah. Anyway, Lord anyway. Benanti is a crusader for wonderful things in yeah. the world. And let's all be nice humans to each other. Yeah. That's our show. Until next week, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Patty, the letter N, Emily, Patty, N, Emily. You can follow us individually at Patty with Y and at Emily Faye Oakley and find us anywhere else on the internet by searching Patty and Emily. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us and leave us a comment and we'll read it on the show. Send us your topic suggestions, questions, dreamcasts, etc. And in the meantime, go, go see live theater. theater.